And we're live. Welcome to the Rising Above podcast, everybody. Today I have Tony Sargentopoulos with me and Sammy Vona. How are you guys doing? You for guess first, Sam. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And the, the the reason I say guest first is because I am actually a guest co-host today. Yeah. Uh, and and Sam is here. Um, for those of you who are tuning in, obviously you've saw. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of marketing about you know with this show. I think the funny thing is, Sammy, is that um, uh, before we we get into everything, uh, we were talking a couple of days ago with you about maybe doing this in in February, or we were trying to come up with a date and a time. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we said, how about Tuesday? Uh, <laughs> uh, we, and there wasn't a whole lot of time to really think about it. So we hurry up and, and got the marketing out there, which was well-received out there um, for sure when it comes to the show, because it is, it, it's a riveting story. I mean, it's a, an amazing story about overcoming um, and triumph uh, over, you know, such unbelievable, you know, an unbelievable situation that, that happened with you growing up. But um so I guess with that said, you guys know each other. Um, you've we've met. You've, <laughs> you've met. You've grown up. We're about that that high, that big. Yeah. Um, and, and that's you know our 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 moms, Joanne and Denise, uh, have been friends forever, and um, and so you know I I could swear we played little league. I don't know why I'm thinking we played little league baseball together at one point for Ohio Water in Struthers, Ohio. Oh yeah, we did. We, we did, did, didn't we? Yes. yes we did. Um, yes, and we did. yeah. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's just been his dad taught me how to hit a fastball. I mean, he went, took us in the backyard, threw it at our head and, <laughs> and, and, and told us you're going to have to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've known each other for quite some time. Uh, Sam, you're in, you're in Wesley. It, well, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in Wesley Chapel. I'm about 10 minutes uh, right outside of uh, Tampa Bay. Okay, so Wesley yeah. Chapel, Florida, and and from Struthers, Ohio, the Youngstown area, old steel mill town. Um, when did you move down there to Florida? Oh, two thousand of uh, two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. And it, it, the story, I mean, uh, as far as what you've overcome and persevered through. And, and who you give that thanks to for helping you through all of that. And, you know, there's there's so many people, I'm sure, uh, that you that you are, are wanting to mention today. And there's so many things you want to talk about. I don't know, Dave, I, I would think that what we would want, you know, because Struthers, Ohio knows the story uh, of Sammy Vona. Youngstown, Ohio knows the story. Wesley Chapel knows the story. Lansing, Michigan doesn't know the story. I don't um, know the story. You don't know the story. No. Yeah. So, Sammy. Um, I'm new to your story. Please, please, uh, kind of uh, walk me through um, what happened. Okay, okay. Um, you know, <clears throat> I was thinking how to go about this. Uh, I know it's going to be different than a, you know, when I speak it, Alcoholics Anonymous, or I speak it, Celebrate Recovery. Um, but I'm going to kind of go in the same same direction just to to give you a brief a brief overview. Uh, you know, as, as a young guy. You know, I was uh, I was confused right right out of the gate, you know, and I had a great childhood. Me and Tony both, you know, came from the same same were cut from the same cloth and, uh, you know, um, great childhood growing up. However, my my grandmother on my mom's side, she was a councilman in the city of Struthers for 30 years and, and she was a saint. You know, she. Uh, as an elected official, you know, she went on her own time and on her own dime, you know, feeding the homeless, giving to the poor, always taking people, elderly people that, that weren't so fortunate back and forth to the doctor, you know, different medical appointments. On the other side of that coin, my father's father, Youngstown is also known for um, the, the, the mafia. And, and my grandfather was involved with that in my, in my father to an extent. You know, so I had an identity crisis, you know, right off of the get-go. And I, I held things in as a young guy. You know, I wasn't able to, to verbalize, you know, the things that were, were bothering me. And that's how I ended up, you know, doing alcohol and, and, and the drugs and, and the amounts that I did and, and for the longest time that I did them. You know, I was an athlete, uh, you know, just like Tony. And uh, I, 
I played all three sports. I excelled primarily at football, and I, and I got a scholarship out, out west to a school in Missouri. And, uh, you know, I was there one year. Going into my second year, I had failed the, the, the drug test three times. You know, I knew it was coming once. You know, they told me again when it was coming twice. Failed that one. Knew it again the date and the time for the third one. And reluctantly, I, I failed that one too. So I was sent out of 40 recruits. I was sent home packing with my tail between my legs, you know, back to Youngstown. And, and from there, it all went downhill. You know, started to, to get into the cocaine, you know, um, going out every night. You know, however, I was back at YSU. I, I was going to school. You know, wasn't uh, primarily focused on uh, on an academic style <clears throat> lifestyle at that point. Just wanted to, you know, hang out and, and get drunk and get high with my friends. You know, I uh, I got a job with Federal Express, and uh, I screwed that up. You know, I'm not going to go into the, the story, but I did something with their truck, and uh, I had all kind of charges pending against me, you know, theft of a corporate vehicle, paraphernalia. I got rid of all the packages that were, it was around Christmas time. I got rid of all the packages that were in the, in the truck. And, um, that's when I went to my first rehab and, um, they gave me a choice. We're either going to file all these charges on you or you could quit, you know, and, and resign, but we'll send you to rehab. So, you know, that's all I ever knew was the easier, softer way. You know, so I, I'm sorry, you have something to say? I wanted to ask, so we have a timeline as far as your age is concerned. So at this point in time, you're about 21 years old, 22 I'm about years? 20, I'm about 22, 23. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, how, 22. how old were you when you started doing drugs and alcohol? Well, I was drinking before. I, I was an alcoholic when I was in high school. You know, I was on my way to, to an alcoholic. I don't know if I was, I don't know if I met the criteria of, of, of what an alcoholic in today's terms means, but I was definitely working towards an alcoholic degree at that, at that point in my life. I used to fill Gatorade bottles up with homemade Dago red wine. It's an Italian homemade wine. I used to fill that up in a Gatorade bottle, bottle and pass it off as cherry Gatorade, you know, and I did it for most of all the home games, you know, and it made me hot. It made me tingly. You know, and I thought at the time it made me bigger, faster, stronger. You know, looking back at it now, it, it, it didn't do um, none of the above. You know, I'm amazed at the, at the high school football career that I had looking back in, you know, all the shenanigans that I did with my with my body. And, you know, I just made bad decisions all around, you know, but <clears throat> I would stay probably 16, 15, 16, started started drinking you know, at Friday night events, you know, and then it just picked up through the, through, through the years. And then it just gradually became an everyday, you know, every night thing. And then the drugs were just added to the mix. Yeah. At, at that point, 15, 16 years old, you're doing that stuff, but, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we've all done that stuff. Let's be transparent here. Uh, when you're 15, 16 years old in high school, 17 years old, we dabble in some things that obviously we're not supposed to. And is your mindset at that point, well, I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. Or are you aware at all at this point that maybe I do have somewhat of a problem, but I don't, I don't know that yet. Or, or maybe I do know that what was, what was going on? Do you remember that back then? I knew, I, I knew I had crossed the line that I shouldn't have crossed. I didn't know at the time when you cross over that line of addiction, you can never go back. Like, uh, um, like they say, uh, a pickle can never go back to being a cucumber. Okay. And okay. once I crossed that line of, of severe alcoholism and addiction, you know, um, but I was definitely, I definitely knew I had crossed the line. I, I didn't have the knowledge and the wisdom of, of what alcoholism was because I really never, uh, I really never saw it in my family, you know, and I got uncles and, and that are, that are in, in the program, but I've never, I, I never grew up seeing my actual family, um, drinking and doing drugs. You know, it was pretty much a, um, 
I don't want to say a peer pressure thing because, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, take to the peer pressure thing, you know, too much. It was it just something that made me feel better. That, I remember the first time I drank, it, it, and I was like, wow. You know, it just, it made me, it took me out of that. It took me out of being me. You know, I was able to <clears throat> internalize the things that were bothering me internally. In a, in a, um, I guess in an awkward state of mind, you know, in a, um, it made, it made things, it made things easier on you, uh, so to speak, as far as, uh, the stresses in your life. Yeah, ex exactly. It loosened me up for all the wrong reasons. How long did you stay at YSU before you, before you walked away from that? Well, actually I almost got my degree at, at YSU. I'm like, I'm like 30 some hours short of uh, a physical education degree. And, um, the only reason I never went back is because um, the Bureau of Vocation and Rehabilitation, there's some classes that I wouldn't be able to do because of my, they're math classes. So um, I wouldn't be able to do them because of my vision. So they just, they tell me when, you know, from the job that I got now, I'm a, I'm a special education school teacher down here. Um, and the lady that was my jobs coach, she just said, you have an equivalent bachelor's degree, you know, she said, you know, if they want to look into your, you know, transcripts, they'll see how much college you got and they'll understand why you couldn't take, you know, the, the courses that you couldn't take to finish, you know, it, I, but I was there probably, I probably was off and on at YSU for, for five years, five and a half years, Tony. Yeah, that's, I mean, so, I mean, Dave, for everybody who doesn't know what YSU is, that's Youngstown State University. And we're talking, we're saying YSU <laughs> back and forth to each other. And some people might be saying, what institution is that? Right. A lot of people know YSU, but but that is Youngstown State University located in Youngstown, Ohio, that, that Sammy's talking about. So, you know, you you don't graduate with, with the degree. Um, and then where do you go from there at that point? What, where Where does life take you at that well, moment? That's when that's when I got hired with General Motors, and uh, I got hired in General Motors in '94, and you know that was that's really when the the big time stuff began. You know, how long, was, how long were you at GM? I was there. I was there. <clears throat> technically, I was there 13 years because I finally I finally went out. Um, when I was I was six years visually impaired, but I was going in and out of the um, the work program that they had there. Upstairs were the EAP reps, the computer room. I was basically just showing up there a couple hours a day. And, you know, this is when you could do that kind of stuff. You know, now I don't even know what you can get away with and what you can at General Motors. But uh, and I finally I finally went out on disability in 2007. Okay. Um, as far as what you can get away with at General Motors now, it's not like when we first started there. Um, I started the <laughs> oh. year before you in 93, and I know what you're talking about with the AP program, and, and it's it's much different now. Um, it's not that people you know can't manipulate the system to a certain extent, but it's not like it was back in the day uh, at all. It's changed quite quite a bit drastically, actually. So, yeah. so 2007... Uh, and then where where are you at at this point? And at at that point, you're uh, what? You're 36 years old at this point. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I was 30, I was 36. Yeah, 36. And, but I got shot. I got shot in 2001. So skip past that. So yeah, we we skipped over that, but we obviously want to talk about that and and whatever it is that you're willing to to talk to our listeners, our viewers about today on the Rising Boat Podcast. As far as you that story, I'm, I'm as open. I'm as open as I can about it. You know, um, that was a, you know, it, it was a night I'll never forget. You know, it was a night that changed my life forever. You know, and I didn't know that it was going to have the impact that it did on me as a person, as, as the person I am today, so to speak, rather than the person that I was when I first became a, a visually impaired blind person. You know, I had went out. I went out on Thanksgiving night and um, I was I was drinking, 
you know, and I've been, I've been, you guys, I've been to over 40 rehabs throughout my whole life. And mm -hmm. the first 20 of them were in Glen Bay up in Rock Creek, you know, other than the first one I went and the first one I went to was actually 45 miles from where I live here today in, in Tampa Bay. It was in Spring Hill, Florida. It's about 45 minute drive. That's where Federal Express sent, sent, sent me to my, my, when, when I went to my first rehab. And then, um, when I got so with General Motors. what happened was, we, so Sam, what happened? Yeah, we we lost the Wi-Fi for one second. So hold on one second. Are we back? There we are. There we go. Okay. So you started talking about that night, Thanksgiving night, and we lost what we lost uh, connection for a second. Sorry about that. Okay. I was saying I've, I've been to a lot of rehabs, you know, I've been, to, and I'm not, this is something I'm not proud to say, but I've been to over 40 rehabilitations, you know, across the United States, you know, um, not only the first one that federal express sent me to down here, which is only 45 minutes from where I currently live now. And then the other, the first 20 of them were general motors in, in, in rock Creek. I'm sure you're familiar with Glen Bay. You know, a lot of people I'm sure that been there. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, sure. I was, I was going there every six months for, you know, 30 days at a time. And then, um, you know, and, uh, help you. It, did it help you? Pardon me? Did it, did it help you Glenn Bay? You know what? <clears throat> Looking back, I would probably, I would, I probably would have told you at the time. No, you know, but looking back now, and in, in the recollection and the the stuff that I, 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 it's like I have an invisible toolbox. I always took something from each of those rehabs. Every time I went into rehab, I came out with something positive. I may not have used it at that time in my life when I should have used it, you know, but I'm definitely using it now. You know, I'm definitely using it. You know, my dad calls me a late bloomer, Tony. <laughs> you know, he says better late than never, Sammy. And that and that's I I mean, that's that's as true as it gets. Yeah. Better late. Some people always say, "Well, it's too late for me," and I never understand that. So I, I agree with them one hundred percent there. No, it's 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 really never too late. Yeah. You know, it's never too late. Um, but anyhow, I was out on Thanksgiving night, and uh, I was drinking that 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 wine I was telling you about, and I had left. We had a gathering at my at my parents' house. And my ex-brother-in-law was there, Jimmy Muzzolino, um, and, and we were drinking. Anyhow, I, I had left, and uh, I went to go, you know, go for that higher that higher bus. So I went looking for some cocaine, and uh, I ended up finding it. I ended up staying up from November 24th or the 27th of November until December 19th. I was up for three weeks. I don't think I slept at all in those three weeks. And on the 19th, I was, I had an appointment with the pain management doctor in Austin town at the old Austin town ambulatory, um, on 46 there. And I in went, Youngstown, yes. yeah. And I had went mm -hmm. with the guy that I was, I was getting the, the, the drugs off of. And because uh, I was I had on him like a couple thousand dollars, you know, because I ended up going broke. I ended up spending all my GM money, all my checks, all the money I had put away. And uh, I ended up on him like 20 some hundred dollars. And at the time I was getting those 40 milligram, 40 milligram Oxycontin pills. And at the time they were going for forty dollars a, a pop on the street, you know, and we went to lunch at that sandwich factory. Remember that sandwich factory right on the corner of Mahoning? I do. In 40, well, we went to lunch that day. All right. I went to the pain management doctor. We waited for my pills to get filled. And then we went back to the east side where, where it all happened. You know, I gave him his 60 some pills. You know, we were even and I had, I got 120 of them for the script. And I had 60 more in a bottle in my pocket. Well, I got back to the house and I finally dozed off for a little bit. And I remember it was dark. It was six days before Christmas. It was snowing. It was cold. <clears throat> I fell asleep on the couch in the living room. 
and they were playing their video games, you know, and, and they used to, the, they used to smoke marijuana and they used to roll it up and then they would dip it in Tussinex and would act, and it would act like PCP, you know, PCP made people jump off buildings and, and angel dust, stuff like that. Well, that's similar with the, the, um, Tussinex did when you dipped it in the mar when you dipped the marijuana in the Tussinex. Well, anyhow, I woke up, I had a pillow to the side of my head and there was a gun in it, you know, and he goes, give me them, give me the rest of them pills, you know, and I had just popped up, you know, I'm thinking, why has he got a pillow next to my head, you know, and I told him something like, go, go screw yourself. Yeah. You know, I can't remember the exact words, but my ego was so big back then, Tony, it, it could have been anything like that. Before I had a chance to even to try to lunge towards him, he took that gun and he put it to my forehead. And he popped the first one. I don't know if you guys are able to see, but I'll point to you. The first one I took right above my right eye, I got a scar. It's a divot. That's where I took the first one. The second one hit me right, right between my eyes. The third one took my nose completely off. The fourth one hit me behind this ear. The fifth one hit me behind that ear. And I have scars. I don't know if you guys are able to see my scars. Probably not, but believe me, I have a lot of scars. And that was five times that I had gotten shot in the head. And I was still living, okay? And I'm coming in and out of consciousness, you know? And then they're, I'm on the ground. They're picking me up and dropping me. One person's got my hand, another got my legs, you know? So they, they, they throw me in my SUV. And I knew McCalvey Lake was not far from there. And I just knew that was, that's where they were going to take me because I knew a lot of bodies that got dropped in that lake with a lot of safes. And you know that as well as I do. And anyhow, they got me in the car and we're going back. We're going down McGuffey. You know how McGuffey turns into Jacobs Road? Yes. And you take Jacobs Road over the McCalvey Lake Bridge in the back way instead of coming from 422. Well, I was playing possum. I had my finger on the door latch. And once those tires started to go over the bridge, I heard a, a, a change in the tires. Tires make a certain noise when you when you travel over a bridge. Well, I knew I was on the bridge. I popped that latch open and I rolled out. Okay. Now they were they were black. They probably turned white at that at the time because I I, I really believe they thought I was dead. And uh, well, I got I fell out of that in and out of consciousness as I went. I woke up, my feet were hanging off the bridge and I had rope and cinder block. I mean, it, it was like my legs were just being pulled from under me. He shot me one more time in the chest and over the, over the, over the Jacobs road bridge. I went and thank God that part of the lake was not that deep. I was in the little ravine that hugs the side of the, the side of the lake that's towards 422. And, and Dave, when, I'm when I say 422, that's a main route that goes through Campbell, which um, surrounds that area of the lake that I'm talking about. Okay. So and basically, let me, let me say this real quick to, to people that are listening that aren't from Youngstown. When, when Sammy's talking about the geographical location, he's mentioning the Jacobs Road Bridge. And then um, we could simply say this is an area that you really don't want to hang out in at that point in time during this time period it's a lot quieter area now it was not back then that was not where you wanted to be so everything he's talking about with the jacobs road bridge and the turnaround and mckelvey lake and 422 going in that direction is is what he's saying is you know he was in a bad area bad spot for, yeah. for people who don't know yeah but go ahead sam it was bad so anyhow the lake was below freezing you know it was a little slushy because the 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 lake hasn't did not totally freeze over, you know, and that's what kept me alive, the, the cold water, you know, the cold water coagulated all of my head wounds and the one in my chest, you know, and I didn't bleed out. And uh, I remember vaguely, I vaguely remember this. I remember getting the, the cinder block and the rope off of my legs, you know, and I don't know how I made it up that hill because I go back every now and then to look at that just, just for my own. 
you know, and now there's a fence there. There's a fence there where you can't throw a ball. And that, they built that fence after I got shot. You know, and I'm not happy for that, but I'm just <laughs> saying they had put that fence up because I think I was the last body that was probably thrown, thrown in that lake. And, uh, but I wasn't supposed to come out of that lake for sure, you know, but, but by the grace of God, I did. And uh, anyhow, they firebombed my SUV on the other side. And an off-duty Youngstown police officer was coming from 422. And he saw the, the SUV I had. It was on fire. So he got out. He's looking around. And I don't know if I was in the, the on a concrete driveway, driveway in one of the houses that sits on the lake there. Or if I was actually on Jacob's Road. I really don't remember. But I remember the flashlight. You know, he, he turned me over and, and I could barely, I could barely see because my left eye was on my, my left eye was totally shot out, hanging on my cheek. The bullets scraped over to my right eye and I have a bullet lodged in my right optic nerve. I have a, I have a prosthetic implant in my left eye and I have macular scarring, a detached retina, macular, um, macular scarring, um, and a couple other different eye diseases in my in my right eye. Plus, the bullet is lodged in my optic nerve, so I only got three. I only have three percent vision. Excuse wow. me. And it's amazing that I'm able to navigate how I get around. You know, I have a stick, the white stick with the red tip. I have a seeing eye dog that I use. But over the years, <clears throat> I've adapted well. You know, and I think a lot of it is attributed to to the the athlete that I was, I was able, you know, to be back then. I think, you know, my mind kind of caught up with me and a lot of the senses, you know, that were hidden for so many years came back to life. And that's why I'm able to get around so, so good. But anyhow, uh, that police officer called 911. Um, they, they, th this is what I was told. I don't remember none of this. I, I was hit with the paddles because I had lost so much blood. My heart had stopped. They brought me to St. Elizabeth's Hospital where they had a helicopter waiting for me because my, my trauma was too severe for anything they could do at St. Elizabeth's. So they flew me to Cleveland, the trauma unit. And um, all I remember was the swish, 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 helicopter propellers, you know, from that night. And then I was induced to a coma. And uh, I had a, a traumatic, brain, small traumatic brain injury. I had a cerebral hematoma. They had cut my skull on top to relieve the pressure. And, uh, you know, I was in the hospital for quite a while, you know. But um, it was like God took his, put his hand out of the sky and, and pulled me up out of that lake. Honestly, I, I have no other, I have, a, I have no other explanation yeah, there is no other explanation. And I yeah. tell this story the same way every time I, you know, there's no, there's no uh, hidden truth about what happened to me. You know, everything, I, the same story I've been telling for, for years it hasn't changed. It's, it's the same story, you know, and that's pretty much the, the uh, happy medium of it. It had it had to be a power greater than myself, and there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that it was God. So at that point, you realized that you were kind of given a second chance, right? Yeah. What what kind of things did you actively do to change your life? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously your 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 state of being is completely different now. You okay, cannot. Well, now you know. Well, let me. I woke up. I come out of the coma, and I was all wrapped in in bandage. And I was playing the Bob Seegers. My mom had the 70s classic hits on the side of my bed because I used to like listen to a lot of music. Bob Seeger turned the page was on. And my mom had my hand in her hand. And I had woke up. And the first thing she said to me, she said, Sammy, God took your sight so you could finally start seeing with your heart. Now that hit me. It was more powerful than what I had just experienced with the shooting. Her words were so powerful. You know, but I... I, I you know, I wanted to have a couple more chances after that. I ended up coming home. I ended up, uh, I had a speech problem. I had, I had to learn how to walk all over again. My balance was off because of my frontal lobes. One side of your brain works your motor skills. The other side works your, your speech. Both of mine were 
tore up from the bullets. And I had to go through speech therapy. I had to learn how to walk again. But I had a pick line in my shoulder. And I was getting constant Dilaudid, the pain medication Dilaudid. Plus, my dad was giving me concoctions of Oxycontin liquid, you know, so I wouldn't be in pain. You know, and at the time, he didn't know that he, he was, you know, uh, making me worse. I didn't think I was making me worse, but I was an addict. Anything that made me feel different, I wanted more of, you know, and that's what heroin does. So I went from an alcoholic and a cocaine addict, and I eventually became a full-fledged heroin addict. And this is this is after all after, this happens. After. This and then after and now you're... How old are you, how old are you at this point? Oh God, I was 30, 31, 32. Oh, okay, all right, and this is pre two thousand. I'm going, I'm going into General Motors. I'm sitting in the EPA, EAP room. I'm on the computer, and and I'm just nodding out. I'm nodding out. I'm nodding out. I had the I had the disability bus pick me up and take me every day, you know, and. It was just, I mean, talk about a, excuse my language, a real shit show. You know, that's that's what my whole life was about at that time. You know, and I just couldn't see, I just couldn't see far enough, guys, to get out of my own way. You know, and then I went for, I went for some more years like that, but the seed was planted. The scene with the seed was planted with the shooting, with the words that my mother said. You know, I knew where I belonged, all the rehabs that I've been in and out of, all the AA meetings that I went to, I knew I was just like them. I knew in my heart that I was just like them. You know, I didn't want to tell the, the normal person that because I had it all under control. You know, that's how my ego was. Oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I, I got it. I, I didn't have nothing. I didn't have a clue. You know, and um, I ended up meeting meeting my wife, she's a, she's a registered nurse. And she's, uh, she, there's, a, there's a big company down here, it's called Baycare. It's Tampa Bay Healthcare Systems, it's the biggest. She, she's a, um, she, she works in the administrative level of Baycare. And um, we moved down here in 2014. My dad had, had leukemia and um, thank God he beat it. You know, and that kind of, you know, sh shook me up for a little bit. It, it shook me up because, you know, me and my, my, my parents were close. You know, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my dad. But let me let me backtrack a little bit. Right before I got hired at General Motors, my daughter, my daughter was my my daughter's mom was pregnant and she had the baby right after I got hired, which my daughter was born and she had a bad pregnancy and the doctor came at Northside hospital at the time and said, listen, your daughter's breach. And, you know, there's a possibility, you know, we could lose both of them or it's going to have to be, which one do you want us to save? Because we're not, and I'm thinking, what you want me to make that kind of decision. I was not equipped to make a decision like that at, at 24 years old. There was no way, you know, now, looking back, knock on wood, they both come out of it. Linda had to go through surgery after Samantha was born. You know, Samantha's healthy and has her own life now. But I couldn't make that, that decision as a 24-year-old. I wasn't, first of all, I wasn't mature enough. You know, and, and, and as, as bad as I thought I was as a person, and ego is, is as big as mine as it was at the time, I was, I was smaller than my, my pinky fingernail. Because I couldn't, I couldn't man up, and and I couldn't make any decision at that point in my life about anything, and they come at a decision like that, at me, and that just fueled my. That you think that would have sobered me up to want to change course? No, I, I, I took that plane right into the headwinds and, and crashed many times. But anyhow, I came down here in 2014. And I got off of the heroin. I was off of the cocaine. I was drinking a little bit, but I was still using the pain pills. And I used them until 2018. 
I, I, I overdosed here at the house that I'm in. I was downstairs. I had cr I crushed up 30 oxycodone, blue 30 milligram pills. I put them into a small pile. I had cut up some Valium, put them in with it because I knew that would take me out. And I'm sitting in my recliner downstairs and I says, God, listen, I said, I'm going to do this. I said, I don't, I, I can't, I can't disappoint no more people. I said, I can't get sober. I says, but if, if you get me back from what I'm going to do, I promise you that I will do everything in your power to, to, to do the next right thing if I can't do it myself. Excuse me. Well, needless to say, I ended up turning blue. Sylvia flipped me over. She swept out my, my, uh, my, my mouth because I was foam with foam. Well, I was throwing up from the mouth. I was going to drown in my own throw up. She called 911. I ended up getting rushed to the hospital. Another coma I'm in. Okay. Now, this was my third coma already in my lifetime. Most people don't experience one of them. This is my third one. But I came out of it and I had the, the I was intubated. When I came out of it, let me tell you guys something. The, the spirituality, talk about having a spiritual experience, even more powerful than when I got shot. And I told you God, you know, put his hand down and picked me up out of that lake. That that room was so bright. You know, it's like my vision. I could see that day. It's like God gave me two eyes with 2020 vision to see the nurses and the doctors in the in the in the pictures on the wall for a very short time. You know, and I knew right then and there I had to, I had to make a choice. You know, it was either get sober or, or go home and, and, and shoot yourself once and for all. Well, I got out. I, w I went from that hospital. I didn't even come home. I made sure I went to rehab from that hospital. I made sure I it was no, you know, go around and collect $200 like the Monopoly board. I went from the hospital to the rehab. I was at the hospital for, I don't know, like 10 days. I went to the rehab. I was at the rehab that I didn't care for for three days, and I wanted to go to a better rehab. So I said, Sylvia, find me the best rehab in Tampa Bay that I can go to. You know, not the not the most prestigious one, but a good one to where I could get my head out of my ass. So she found one. I went to that one the same day. I didn't come home because I knew if I would have came home and spent one night at home, the chances of me are relapsing were greater than, than anything ever. So I went from the hospital to rehab to rehab. And I got to that rehab. It was in town and country. It was about, it's on the other side of Tampa Bay, closer to Clearwater. And uh, they were giving me the shot of buprenorphine. And uh, it's, um, it helps you detox from, her from heroin, opiates, you know, stuff of that nature. Well, I was on that shot for three days. I went to a, I forget, I, I can't remember if it was an AA meeting or a Celebrate Recovery meeting or a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. But I remember leaving that meeting, man, and I felt great. I felt like I heard something. It was probably the most stupid thing that anybody in the, in the history of, of recovery ever heard, but it touched the nerve with me. And I went back to my room that night, and I hit my knees, and I said, God, listen. I said, give me enough strength to get through this, please, once and for all or take my life tonight. My stomach cramps went away. The sweats went away. I was able to take a hot shower because the a shower would used to hurt my skin because my skin was so sensitive and delicate. I woke up that I got the best night of sleep that I ever had in, in years. I woke up the next morning. I was able to eat a full meal. And I went to that doctor and I said, doc, I don't need no more of that shot. He said, something happened to me last night. I can't explain it to you. I said, but I know I don't need no more of that shot. He's like, well, Sam, can you at least stay so we can monitor your vitals and, and you could stay for the rest of the program? I said, absolutely. That was December 1st of 2018, and I haven't had a drink or a drug, you know, in, in over, a little over five years now. And uh, I don't intend to. I don't plan on it. I don't think about it. You know, uh, relapse is evident in a lot of people's lives. It happens. You know, some people say it's a part of recovery. Well, you know, we could say it was a part of my recovery because I had a lot of relapses. But I don't even look at that. I just never, I just never got sober. I never had the willingness to get sober. I never had the strength. I never had the courage. 
you know, until I found my faith. My faith had to get me, my faith had to get to where it needed to be to get me out of the predicaments that I was, I kept putting myself into time and time after again and again and again, you know, and now, you know, don't get me wrong. My past is my greatest asset. A lot of people don't want to go back into their past. They say, you gotta, you gotta, you know, put the rear view mirror down and, and not look into that mirror. Me, I have to, because I, I need to know and remember where I came from. And it's beneficial to me to, to look at my past because it was so tragic. It was so dark, you know, but you know, I'm, I'm in a good space today. I'm in a healthy space. I'm in a good space, you know, and you know, I'm, I don't think I'm even living my best life yet. You know, I don't know how many years God is going to give me with this broken up body of mine, you know, all the stuff that I put it through. But as long as I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be the best Sam that I can be, you know, for that day, just like I was today. And I'm going to keep doing it again and again and again. You know, and that, that's pretty. As long as I've known Sammy, and like we talked about in the very beginning of the show, ankle high. I, I knew about when this happened. I remember talking to you. I don't remember at what point we we had a conversation just to see how you were doing, how things were going. Uh, we never had an, a, a you know a, a very um, extensive conversation about this whole situation. I had no idea about to what extent you went through with you. I knew it was bad. I did yeah. not know that it was this bad. Um, yeah. And I, I literally the entire time you were talking, I couldn't even think about what I wanted to ask <laughs> you next because I was completely uh, in, I'm immersed in, in what you were telling us. I, I can't believe, I mean, well, I can believe, I know why, you know why. I could tell that all the people that are watching this show right now as I'm looking at all the comments over here, they know why. Uh, but it's just amazing what you went through, not just, not just even the one evening when yeah. you shot six times, five times, and then one other time after you somehow were able to think, think his way through, you know, playing possum as you called it and making your way out of that vehicle, but then not one, not two, but three different times in your life going through a coma. And and then everything else that 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 he talked about, and here you are sitting here today talking to us, and and we're not the first that you've talked to about this story. You've done this so many times with so many different uh, church groups that you've spoken with, yes. uh, schools, and and um, right. I think this is the first podcast that you've been on. This is my first podcast, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I, I, Dave, I mean, uh, you've had some. This is have, have two hundred episodes getting uh, close. This is one hundred and eighty, so getting close. Yeah. yeah, and he's had some guests on. I mean, it's the Rising Above podcast. Yeah, and it's overcoming and persevering. And I've I've listened to a lot of shows and watched, you know, and he's had some riveting guests on. Uh, the ones that I've listened to, I've never seen anything like this right here. This is absolutely amazing. Yeah, this it's, is insane. The amount of um. Uh, things the amount of things that you've gone through and overcame i mean it's it's tremendous you shouldn't even be sitting here for one telling your story but the fact that you're able to do that how does that make you feel well i'll be honest with you it makes me feel sad in a way because i i, I my parents felt everything that i felt my sister you know holly she felt everything that that i felt everything that i've been through they were right there with me so, you know, if, if you guys want to fact check me, <laughs> go, go, go to them <laughs> because they, they went through everything that I just told you, you know, to, to as honestly and truthfully as, as I could have told you, they, they've been off, they've been through it and they're still with me. I, I have my, all my relationships intact, my, my relationship with my daughter, I wasn't the best father. You know, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a, a, a garbage father, but I wasn't, you know, I, there was so much more things for me to do with my daughter growing up that I, I have regrets, you know, but that's okay because you know what, We're, she's in my life today. I'm in her life today. We talk just about every day on FaceTime. You know, we see each other every three months, but if I'm not up there, she's down here. You know, I see my grandkids, you know, um, but they, they, like you said, how do I feel that that's the, the, 
how I feel is, is when I think about what I put them through. Not so much me. Not you have so one much. of the most powerful stories I think I've, I've heard, um, at least on this podcast. And for the people listening, what would you like? What kind of what kind of information? What kind of things would you want them to take away from your story? I mean, as far as as far as the message you have today of overcoming such, I mean, what was tragic? No, uh, no, your no, your surroundings, no, your surroundings. Because I was so, I was so um, not aware of, of, and I'm not saying in bad places. I'm just talking about places where there was marijuana and cocaine at the parties I went to. I wasn't aware you know, that I was going to end up doing it, not let alone that it was being there. You know, if I knew that it was there, I probably wouldn't have went. But when I got there and I knew it was there, I was like, wow, I'll try that. You know, I wasn't aware of my surroundings at that time, you know. And today it's, it's, it's like this. If I don't pick up the first, and that means if I don't pick up the first drink, if I don't do the first line or the first pill or the first shot, I don't ever have to worry about doing the last. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, I, just don't, no. I, I just don't pick up, you know, and I, and I do the the, the things that, that I've been taught since I went to my first I went to my first AA meeting. You know, I, I do things to to try to become a better person. You know, my kids at the school. They make me better. You know, they make me better because I'm dealing with kids that are, are mentally retarded, kids that have spinal bifida, uh, uh, cerebral palsy, nonverbal, you know, um, uh, low functioning autistic, you know, high functioning autistic, you know, different spectrums of all of all disabilities, you know, but I try to interact with each and every one of them every day, you know, and it takes me out of myself. It takes me out of myself. Should I be doing more with other alcoholics and drug addicts? Probably. But as long as I'm doing something helpful, you know, in that man's eyes, and when I'm pointing up, I'm talking about the creator, the guy that made me, you know, and I like to call him God. You know, not everybody believes in the same God as I do. But to me, he's God, Jesus Christ, you know, and that's... You know, that's what, what got me from A to Z, you know, and I'm definitely not where I want to be at being the Z person that I am, <laughs> if you were able to follow that, you know, I've missed so much of my life and I missed out on so many things, you know, them are the things I don't dwell on, you know, I try to focus on today, I try to keep today in a 24 hour increment. I don't try to get too far ahead of me, you know, and if I do get behind me, I just look at the things that put me in this position to where I, how I got here, you know, and as long as I don't, you know, go backwards, you know, I got to go forwards. You know, standing still is not an option for me. If I get, if I get complacent, you know, I'll, I'll end up drinking. I know myself and I know my personality. You know, now that doesn't mean I can't have a nap or watch some football on Saturday or Sunday, you know, but during the week, you know, I need to be active because there was a point in my life where I wasn't doing nothing. I was just getting up, getting high, looking for drugs, looking for people to do drugs with, you know, and it, it was a, that was a full time job within itself, you know, and, and that believe me, that paycheck, you don't want that paycheck. <laughs> I have a question uh, for the people that shot you. Did they ever find those people? Well, that's that's ironic. My niece is a is a deputy sheriff. Jimmy's Jimmy's middle child, uh, yeah, Tony, Jimmy Muzz. Mm -hmm. His middle daughter Gianna. She's a she's a deputy sheriff. And the story with that was he got he got um, he got eight years for felony felonious assault 
but he got a seven-year arson charge added to that. So he got 15 years to life when he when he shot me. He got out in eight years. Okay. When I found that out, that was that's when I was still getting high. I continued to get high. I can my ego was coming at me. I wanted to go find him. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to pull his eyes out of his head. You know, but I wasn't able to do that being a disabled person. Even if I wasn't myself, I probably still, as much as I wanted to do it, I wouldn't have done it because that's I wasn't raised like that. But anyhow, he got busted for uh, a big heroin ring, one of the biggest, and then he got busted for another uh, felonious assault, which went to a um, attempted murder charge. So he he is locked up now. I believe for the rest of his life because he went down on that three strike rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was so, from Youngstown. Yeah, he was yeah. a kid. He was from Youngstown. You know, and I have dreams about him still. I still dream about him. I still see his his face as clear as day in my dreams. But you know, I just take it as a you know as a blessing that I'm able to dream at night. I don't I don't look at it any other way than thank you God for letting me dream, good or bad. I'm able to dream. This was during the eighties, correct? No, 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 no. All my 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 addiction <laughs> took place throughout the nineties and the two thousands, but I got shot in two thousand one. Now you had mentioned that your your family had ties to the mob, so crime was yeah. obviously pretty rampant at that time, and all through Youngstown and yeah. that area, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's a podcast out there. It's called Crooked City. I don't know if you've ever We've talked folks, about this before. Anybody who's yeah, listening to this podcast or that knows about that podcast, and it talks all about the mob was very, very relevant in in Youngstown, Ohio. It's not it's, it's not a a secret right. in, in right. any way, shape, right. or form. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and my grandfather, my grandfather had I have the same name as my grandfather. He was a pretty big deal, you know, back in the day, you know. Um, my father has the same name, you know, my father was on the lower scale of, of his dealings with, with them, but, but nonetheless, you know, I still, I still fell out of that tree, whether I wanted to or didn't, you know? Uh, so that's why I like to, to, I don't like to glamorize it. I, I try to stay off of those websites, um, because I don't like to, I don't like to put out names of, of people that I knew. There's too much name thrown around on them sites. And I just see the, the, uh, I just see where it could go. That's why I kind of stay away from, from, from those sites because I, you know, I grew up around it, you know, and that's, that's pretty much the only reason, you know. Sammy. But, so what's next, what's next for you and you sharing your story and uh, the impacts that you plan on making in, in the world? Well, well I, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the process of, <laughs> I'm in the process of writing a book. Um, I, I had a ghostwriter, um, but I had to I had to get rid of her because she was she was going through a divorce, and yeah, it just wasn't it just wasn't getting the it wasn't getting to where I wanted it to get. So my wife is is going to finish it for me. She she actually milked roast of it herself anyhow. And uh, the only reason we went with a ghostwriter is because we had no idea how to put a book together. You have to get a publisher. And so one of her girlfriends uh, had published a book and, you know, told us the avenues to go through publishing it. You know, um, there's a couple different ways we could we could publish it once it's once it gets edited, you know, but I'm doing that, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to do it to, to make myself any money. I'm going to put all the proceeds, you know, in a nonprofit organization, you know, which just, which is about to, to get started here also. And, uh, just to try to help people that don't have the means to, to, to get recovery. You know, there's, you know, addiction is hitting all the streets. It's hitting the rich neighborhoods. It's hitting the poor neighborhoods. And it's just as prevalent now with the fentanyl crisis than, it was back in the eighties with the crack, you know, it's just, you, you know, it's like you, you, you change, you change one thing and then pops up another, you know, and that's just how it is today with the fentanyl, you know, and I don't want to become a guru. I don't, I don't want to, I, I just want to 
it, it helps me basically. That's why I do it because it helps me. If I help one person, even, even on this podcast, you know, if I wasn't able to help anybody with, with my story for, for whatever reason, if, if just one person might've, it might've woke up and said, you know what? I, I got to change my life around because I'm going to end up dying like that kid did. If it just touches one nerve and one person's soul, then, then I'm okay. Then I'm okay. Well, I'm going to tell you, you have, you've had 38 people consistently watching this podcast through the whole podcast. And then there's countless comments. I could tell you that, that I've, been, I've been watching the comments. They've been coming in a hundred miles an hour and nothing but positivity from so many different people. Um, I'd hate to just mention a few of the people because then I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the other people. I don't know. If Should we go through them? We could, I mean, we could go through them. I, would you like to hear what, what some of the comments are that are coming in? Sure. I would love to. I would love to. All right. Uh, Sergeant, you're right there in front of it. Can't you? Yeah. All right. So, um, and you. folks, if I, if I say your name wrong, I apologize. Um, oh, we lost it. Sorry. There we go. If I say your name wrong, I, I apologize. But um, uh, Dennis Dennis Shields said, uh, "Hey Sammy, uh, how you guys all doing?" Frank Gallo uh, is watching. <laughs> um, Felicia Malango, did I get that name right? Said, "Hey yeah. Sammy." Yes. Uh, yeah. Linda Erickson. Hey Sammy. Ken Yusko. Hey Sammy. Victor Andrews. Hey Sammy. Rob Del Signor. Hey. Uh, hi Sammy. Michael, yeah. Michael Pearl, thanks okay. for sharing. Uh, Jordan Robertson, uh, here supporting Sammy. Um, Michael says, Michael Pearl again says, love Sam. There's Al Yanarella, uh, who's here. Um, Chris Henderson, uh, he said, that's my fam. Um, uh, and it did, I don't want to go through all of them, yeah, but there's, there's, a, there's so many of them. Um, uh, maybe uh, Star. The Steo? I'm I think that oh, might be yeah, sorry. Yeah, she goes to the church that I go to down here. Okay. Keep inspiring and doing kingdom work. Uh God bless you, she says. So I mean, there's so many different and then uh D Sarge, uh, you know her. Yes. <laughs> um, she uh wants to make sure that the next time you're in town, you reach out. She would love for you to come to her church, Victory Assembly, okay. and maybe um maybe do a testimony. Uh so love keep that in mind because she uh she asked over here. Uh, folks, D Sarge is my mother. Uh, so Mama Sarge Mom, is what we call her on the Mama podcast. Sarge. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there's so many people. Um, and and um, Gina Gina DeRose uh, beat down how many times? And Sammy still has an incredible outlook and love to continue to live. God bless you always, cousin. Um, so you know, there's 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 and I I probably gave about twenty percent of all the comments and all the love that's coming in right now. Uh, on the podcast so a lot of people listening in and from what we can see uh, a heck of a supporting cast that you have around you is that is that in, you know as we uh, wrapping up here as we're getting close to the end of the show yeah. the supporting cast how important we know that god is relevant and probably a number one right in in your life in terms of where you've been able to get to after such tragedy the supporting cast around you um how important are they? Family, friends, um, people in your church group, people in Celebrate Recovery. How important are all these people to you? Well, Tony, thanks for asking that question. You know, the one person that you said on there, Frank Gallo. I've known Frankie since just as long as you and I've known each other. He lived on Wilson Street, grew up on Wilson, the street over from Creed. And uh, he's going to have 34 years sobriety tomorrow, his anniversary. Congratulations. He's been, he's been so instrumental to me in my life, you know, and he's he's basically gave me the the blueprint on how to to finally live the right way, along with Polly DePino. You know, Polly. Um, that were my guys when I come to Ohio. Them, that's the crew that I hang out with. I don't hang around anybody that's that's drinking or drugging. I may run into some people that are, are normal drinkers and can have a drink here and there. I still have friends like that, but I run with people that are in recovery, like Frankie, like Pauly. You know, uh, down here, uh, my, my Celebrate Recovery family, you know, uh, the one pastor that's become so instrumental in my life, he's leaving. He's leaving Thursday. He's going to Philadelphia 
you know, to do God's work, you know, but that church will still go on. It'll still be just as strong as it was, you know, since he's came. And I got my AA family down here too. You know, I got, I got, I surround myself wherever I go and I blanket myself with, with solid people, you know, uh, as long as I have solid footing around me, you know, if I'm on a, a, a little wavy, head 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 minded and I'm a little I'm a little off on my feet I know I'll be fine because I surround my people that got both of their all of their feet anchored you know and that they and, and all of them do and say what they mean you know uh, they all they've all got stories they've all got stories of of, of great courageous uh things and, you know but the, the things that I get most from them is their wisdom you know especially guys like Frankie Gallo with having 34 years my uncle, my uncle just uh, celebrated 23 years of recovery, you know, my mom's brother. So uh, it's a different life that, that I had no idea uh, I would eventually fall into and, 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 and love it like I do, you know. But obviously it's, it's, it's God's will, man. I can't, like you said, Dave, you know, there's no, there's no other way to slice it or, or cut it up. You know, this is... is you know, as being one of God's kids, one of God's children, you know, I, I, I got in the plane and I, I was a kamikaze pilot. You know, he had to change my course, you know, not once, not twice, but, but multiple times, you know. And I'm lucky he, he's let me survive the, the many times that, that I, I did. I don't think he's done with me yet. You know, I think, I think that God's going to give me a, a, a bigger platform. To where I can reach other people. And it doesn't have to be just with drugs and alcohol. You know, I, I see people on a weekly basis that are dealing with, you know, sex addiction, uh, overeating addiction. Um, you know, so many things that, that people get hiccups in their life, you know, and, and it's just, it's just, it's just, it's a fresher breath there for me to, to be a part of, 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 uh, where I'm at today, because, uh, you know, I, I get, I get lost for words when I'm, when I'm talking, even, even when I speak at churches and stuff, you know what, well, I'm not close with this. Like I always do, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely not the person I, I want to be by no stretch of the imagination. And I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I'm definitely not the person I used to be. I seen you said that on Facebook and I love that. Uh, that's almost something that should go on a shirt, um, for you. It, it's, it's truly say that again for, for everybody. Maybe somebody for whatever reason, wasn't paying attention. That's a fantastic quote. What was that again? I'm definitely by no stretch of the imagination, the person that I want to be. And I don't know if I, if I ever will be the person I want to be, but I thank God every day that I'm not that person I used to be. Yeah. That's, I mean, and, and that is, that is probably the best way. I want to. I want to say something real quick, though. I, I did see two people that I want to point out: Melissa Morale, uh, Missy Morale. Uh, she said she's very proud of you, and God bless. And wow. uh, and Joanne Vona, uh, aka Mom, mm -hmm. she said that Sylvia is an angel sent to us and him. Um, yeah. She went. She she added that comment in, um, yeah. but. Um, Man, I'll tell you, this was this went further than I thought it was going to go, right? Um, because when we talked to you, uh, we did the three-way phone call, um, and you said you're an open book, and you still don't know where it's going to go as far as how much you're going to be willing to talk about. And I have to tell you, that is one of the most courageous interviews, uh, being a co-host here on David's Rising Above podcast, or even my podcast that I used to do one of the most, if not the most courageous interview I've ever seen on any podcast with the transparency and your ability to, to be able to tell what could eventually be thousands of people that'll watch this recorded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, you know, your story and that in itself should be inspirational and mo not, not motivational, but inspirational to so many people because it truly is a story of overcoming. And uh, that's, that's probably even, I'm putting it lightly there. For sure it's definitely so, a story of hope that you know you for one you're not your mistakes and you can change and you can rise above and overcome your challenges for sure um 
Sam, anything else? Let, let me ask you this, and I, I, I bet you David would agree with me here. Would you be willing to be back on the Rising Above podcast as your journey continues and we could play catch-up, basically, on where you're at at that point and then, you know, what life is throwing at you and what you're tackling? How, how do you feel about that? Listen, Tony, for you, for you, anything. And, and Dave, now we're friends, you know, um, that, absolutely, man. I, I'm honored just to be on here. I, 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 no one ever asked me to be on a podcast before. You know. Oh, so if I tell you this though, um, I, now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question also. Hopefully, we don't lose you when when we uh, when I ask you this question. What's that? What's that thing behind you on the wall? That star. <laughs> eh, those of well, you who, who those of you who know me, you know I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. Uh, <laughs> and Sammy has a what is that back there, Sam? Hey, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at this. The reason I like the Dallas Cowboys is because pain is a great motivator. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been I've been enduring pain with them for the last 20 years. You got to so. stick with your team though. I know you're thinking about your I, you I, I I'll never I'll never jump ship. I I, I say a lot of I talk a lot of trash. Not not a lot of trash, but I'm never going to jump ship with the Cowboys. Uh, you know, I'll right. die with I told you I wasn't gonna. I told you I was gonna take it lightly on you, didn't I? I said I'm yeah, not gonna. I, listen, I appreciate that, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies hey, and gentlemen, what though? It, and it, with that being said, both of you guys, Tony, uh, Tony's a Green Bay Packer fan, and and Dave is a, a Detroit fan. So I'm definitely the fish out of water on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. We can't thank you enough, uh, Dave. Uh, anything else you want to say in closing? No, Sam. Thanks for doing the podcast. Your story is moving, and I can't wait to see all the feedback. I mean, there's already been a tremendous amount of feedback, but I think a lot more people are going to watch it and and comment, and it's going to inspire a lot of people. So, thanks again for sharing your podcast and being vulnerable. It's not an easy thing to do, but I, I appreciate it. So, anytime, guys, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I enjoy doing this, you guys. Thank you. Thank Ladies you. and gentlemen, Sammy Vona. All right. God Thanks, bless, guys. guys. See you. Talk to you soon, Tony. All right. God bless. Uh, God bless you guys, too. Bye-bye.